Isn't that groovy? Hey, I'm just coming in a little early today because I can, um, because um, Stacy's not here with the sauce. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe I'd talk a little bit early. I just asked if I could have a few extra minutes. Um, and I will make the official announcement. But if you're listening already and you're anticipating the Beer Ambassador uh, at 530, which is a little less than five minutes away, then you'll be in time for the show. But you get a little extra bonus today. Um, I, I kind of want to just get in and talk about um, this last weekend uh, was a great time at the Brouhaha. I mean, the Brouhaha. Uh, and that, and what I meant to say is because uh, the Brouhaha Productions, which were started uh, about 10 years ago, um, started the Brouhaha. So the Brouhaha is a small event that's held at the Phoenix Club every year in Anaheim, California. And uh, um, it is just a, a, a it's called a uh, holiday uh, ale festival or festival ale. I'm sorry, holiday ale fest <laughs> festival. Whew. Man, sometimes my brain. But it's a holiday ale festival, and um, and it's got a lot of holiday ales there. And you have to be careful. Um, I was not driving this year, so I think I tied one on a little bit. Um, but it was it was uh, it was good. There was a lot because there's a lot of big beers, a lot of big bourbon barrel aged beers. So I usually uh, will moderate myself, but I did not this year because I wasn't driving. And um, and they gave out these really cool, um, if you've ever gone camping, there are these porcelain cups. So I heard rumor, because people do drop cups and they break, that there's no glass allowed. And, and of course, there were different plastic options, but they went with this this porcelain version of this cup. And so uh, it was cool because you got your choice of red or green. And uh, and it was like a, a ugly sweater kind of on the side of it. It was green with yellow or red with white. And uh, it said naughty on one side and nice on the other. And so it was this cute little uh, cup, but I'm going to use it again. I know my daughter will use it when we go camping. Um, <clears throat> and it, it holds, I don't know, four or five ounces in there. Uh, it was definitely enough to get, you know, three-ounce tasters all day long. And, uh, and it was funny because they also had a blue cup with water, and, and it talked, and it said rain, reindeers don't get to drink because it was for, for it was for the designated drivers. So uh, I thought that that was really classy compared to what they normally do. And it, it's not that they have bad cups; they always have great cups. But it, I mean, that was, I've never seen that before. It was classic. So for a commemorative cup that we all have a hundred. I mean, I have like a hundred of them. I it's hard for me to get rid of them. My ex really hated it, and I've got full size and and small and big and all that kind of stuff. So I've got a crazy amount of 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 glassware, beer glassware, and uh, um, now I have another one. But this one is unlike any of the others. It's it's completely different than the rest of, of what's going on there. And um, so I, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to them and anyone who's out there that may be listening. Um, uh, that if you know hit me up on instagram or even send me an email or um and tell me what you thought i mean come on look at my stuff on there just give me some some thoughts on what your favorite beers were um i'm going to tell you in the the next minute and a half i have before we officially start or actually a little more than a minute um i was really impressed with abnormal beer had a had a beer um that was a stout that they called uh uh, peppermint ice cream cake. Um, uh, I have to look at it, but I'm telling you, I, w- I was I was not expecting to like this beer because I'm not a big um, 
peppermint fan. Like when I was younger and stuff, you can do the candy canes and all that stuff, whatever. But I, it just it it's not really my forte. And but I'm like, you know, it's a stout and. The reason you're here at this holiday festival is to try these different beers. So what did I do? I I definitely tried a beer, and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that that beer was way impressive to me. It was I'm sorry, not not peppermint, candy cane. I don't know why I, I, I'm getting the two confused. Candy cane ice cream cake, and it was 11% beer, and I liked it so much I finished it. But they put it with a uh, with vanilla and chocolate, vanilla and chocolate, my friends. And and you already get the chocolate in a in a stout beer anyway, so it was a nice balance, and it was like, it was like a a candy cane chocolate cake with 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 vanilla ice cream. It really was. So uh, let me do the official uh, uh, thing here. It's five thirty. Um, you're listening to KUCI eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine, California. The views and opinions that are expressed on this show are not that of KUCI, the management, or the Board of Regents, but they are mine and my guests. And welcome to the show officially, since I've been talking for about five minutes. Uh, my name is Mikhail Woodward. I'm your host, the Beer Ambassador. I'm here every weekend, or every Tuesday. I don't know where I'm at right now. I'm talking about the world of craft beer. Um, I, was at, I was at a lot of places this weekend, and I was just uh, giving a little preview, um, talking about the brew ho-ho and what a good time I had, and uh, the porcelain cups that were ugly sweater cups, with all the people wearing ugly sweaters in the heat here in Southern California, but still being festive and having a good time. The beer was keeping us cool, and uh, so were so were the bands, the Gabba Gabba Hayes, or some Ramones fans there, and uh, and and you know the food and everything else. But what a great bunch of people! And please hit me up on Instagram or Facebook and tell me what your favorite beer of the Brew Ho Ho was. Um, I I literally I'm not sure if I had a favorite, but I can tell you it was really stand out that I um, had that abnormal uh, candy cane. Uh, ice cream cake beer, as well as uh, Chihuahua has this beer uh, that had um, ginger and lime and hibiscus in it, and I was really impressed with them. And uh, and Funkworks and Beechwood, uh, Beechwood had one with coconut and stuff like that. I was I was really impressed, and and so um, I can't take all the time to tell you because there's too many beers uh, to tell you, but it was it was really worth it. Uh, the the Trader Jewels was the one uh, that was with apricots, fresh lemon zest, and aged coconuts uh, from Beechwood. Um, but um, th- there was just a lot of good beers there and a lot of good people. So anyways, um, without further ado, for those who are expecting uh, my guest today, um, I have gotten to to know this guy a little bit and plan on being good friends with him for a, a long time hereafter and so i'm welcoming into the studio which you know is a rare event in the studio uh alex gonzalez from honeypot meadery how you doing alex thanks for having me mikhail i appreciate it awesome so um we'll get right into it so so uh you have a place in anaheim anaheim hills is it considered there i'm not sure what to it it can go by either one we're on the la palma beer trail um but just to kind of backtrack real quick where you're talking about Abnormal. Okay. Um, I love it. The uh, the first beer I had from Abnormal was actually at the Phoenix Club okay. at uh, one of the brewery anniversary parties. I can't remember if it was M1 or M3. Uh, the line for that thing was ridiculous. And uh, I think it was probably one of the best beers I had there. And that was maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, they're making good stuff. Yeah. I haven't been able to brew. Really impressed. I haven't made it to the brewery party uh, in the last two years. So I think it was three years ago that I was last there, but that's a great event. Yeah. And then there's whole lots of barrel-aged beer, like big beers. I mean, that's another one you need to 
definitely a designated driver for. Oh, yeah. I mean, they used to do uh, quite a few different ones down at Stone. They used to do Poor Black, uh, and they did the Equinox. both of those. Yeah. Uh, and it's just all barrel-aged beers or majority barrel-aged beers. Um, you definitely need uh, somebody with one of those yeah. blue cups going with you. So. Definitely. You gotta ju- and, and you got to just pace yourself. But um, let's get into let's get into mead. We could talk about that, and, and I hope you'll come back on the show and talk about it, that again. We can do maybe another segment. Segment, but um, how, I, I know that you t- and I have talked a little bit. But let's kind of get into your history. You're you're a home brewer, and somehow you, you got the the mead bug. So so let's go back a few years and and tell me how you got into making mead. The uh, the first mead that I had. Uh, was um, I say about seven years ago? Um, I used to. Was it a classic one? I mean, is it was it was it the? It, it's one of those those uh, drinks where you probably shouldn't start with that because you're just going to get completely spoiled and or nothing else tastes like it. Uh, it was made by Coonan in Michigan. Okay. Um, it was the first time they ever bottled their bourbon barrel banana French toast. Um, to be completely honest, I didn't even know what it was. Uh, okay. One of my friends had given it to me. And uh, it was a little tiny bottle. It was a 187, so about six ounces. And uh, when I opened it up, uh, you could smell the, the nose on it, the bouquet, immediately. Uh, it was vanilla and cinnamon and um, roasted bananas and caramel. And I was really confused because I had never opened a bottle and smelled all those things before. See, um, for me, I had Chaucer's first. This goes way back. Chaucer's, right? It's an old – it's from England, I think – I'm pretty sure it's Chaucer, but Chaucer's is the name, and uh, and you would have it straight. But if but in the winter, which I like, which I'm hoping we'll talk about, you do it with mulling spices. So you'd make hot cider or hot meat, I mean, and you'd make it with the mulling si- the spices, which they would actually sell with the with the mead sometimes. I, I've never seen that package. That's actually um, something that I think would work really well uh, this time of year. Yeah, uh, it's something that we've talked about doing in our tasting room. Um, we are working on a. Um, what is it? It's a dark plum and cherry mead that would actually cater really well to taking those those oh, strong sort of spices. Okay. So I'm thinking about doing something like that. That sounds maybe great. Later. I want to hear. Okay, I, I distracted you because I was talking about Chaucer. So back to yours. So there was some kind of French toast thing. <laughs> yes, it was. So, uh, I mean, it sounds fantastic. It it was it. To put it mildly, it, bl- it really did blow my mind. Um, I shared it with two other uh, people, and uh, none of us had had anything like it before. So the first thing I did was, you know, try to uh, get a hold of my buddy that sent it to, or that, that gave it to me. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't able to get any more. It was a very limited run. There was just over a hundred bottles made. So my next course of action was to try to find something local here in Southern California that was comparable. And I, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. So I had made beer before, and I figured, you know, how hard could it be to, to make mead? Uh, <laughs> come to find out, it is nowhere near the same thing. Um, you do lose, use a lot of the same tools, but uh, the process is completely different. For um, sure. You know, the timing is different. Uh, I had to relearn a lot of things. Um, Compared to brewing, it, it is. It's a different animal, um, as we were talking about beforehand. But, um, I mean... I mean, there's. In some ways, it's harder. In some ways, it's easier. And that's actually a perfect way to put it. Uh, the way I explain it to people when they ask me what the difference is, uh, I generally tell them that brewing a lot of your investment is done on the front end. Yes. You're mashing in, you're boiling, uh, you know, you're sparging, you're getting it into your tank, uh, you're whirlpooling. With mead, you can in a relatively short amount of time, start a batch. However, 
you do have to what I tend to call babysit it. Sure. Um, every day you're checking to make sure that your pH is, is right, to make sure that your gravity is moving, um, you know, checking your titration. Or with beer, more times often than not, you're going to pitch your yeast and you'll just make sure that your airlock is bubbling and, and that's kind of it. Yeah. So, uh, you got, for, for beer, you're watching it when you're doing the mash and the temps and that and and the boil and what you're you're adding there at exactly hops like when's, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, when's your strike? How long are you putting yeah. your hops in for? Yeah. Uh, and on on the mead side, it's more watching it day to day, making sure that you're not catching any off flavors, making sure that um, there isn't anything developing that you don't like, and then being able to triage those without having it go bad. So, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, you were talking about basically you really watch the temperature. A lot, on there. a lot. Temperature control is really important. Um, I learned that very early on home brewing. I was going to say, so how did you you learn a lot of that home brewing? Did you have any that messed up? You had to throw things out or what? Uh, the first four batches I made at home I, were not very good. There was one that came out halfway decent. Uh, I want to say that's in part because uh, it was a sizer, so I used apple juice. Um, apple juice is a little more forgiving than water is going to be. Sure. Um, but the, yeah, the first three I made, they were on the kitchen counter and they bubbled for like three months, uh, at, you know, ambient room temperature. Yep. Um, I mean, one of them had blueberries in it and they sat there until the blueberries turned white. And, uh, at the end, I don't know if maybe it was just that they were too dry and I didn't like it, but they, they weren't something that you shared with your friends without, you know, them, uh, giving you some bad news afterwards. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's, but okay. I I I don't necessarily like wasting things, mm. but I do like learning from failure, and I think we learn a lot from failure. A lot of their societies trying to keep people from failing, whatever. But I think when you do, you learn a lot, and I think, um, it, especially in brewing and fermenting, there's a lot you can learn from when you screw something up if you're paying attention, right? I mean, if you have no idea what was going on, then it's not going to help you. But if you've been paying attention then there's ways to um, to learn and rectify from it. So it sounds like, I mean, if you have your own meadery now, that you kind of learned pretty well. I, I think so, um, but I do completely agree with what you just said, and that's part of the reason that we check the tanks every day, every one of the tanks that's going. And um, not only are we checking for uh, the static, or not static, but um, hard numbers or temperature and your gravity and things like that, but we do have a field for comments, and you can see how something evolves day over day. And if you start to notice something's wrong, you go back and you look at your process. What did we do that day? Did we circulate? Did we feed? Um, you know, which hoses did we use? Things like that. Hopefully you can catch what that error was in the event that you have a problem that occurred. Yeah. So let's take the, let, let's take the, uh, the trip forward. So you, you, you had this mead from a buddy in Michigan, of all places, and uh, you tried to uh, remake that French toast mead, essentially. And that didn't happen in the first four batches, but eventually you, I don't know if you made that one or something else, but you made some stuff that was good enough that everybody liked it and wanted it. And that pushed you into wanting to open a meadery. I mean, why'd you want to, I mean, it's, you know, small business is hard. You're an entrepreneur. It's a small business. You've only been open for a couple of months now. Um, and, and that's like soft open still. Right. So, um, so tell me about that kind of story and, and, uh, wanted to make the, the crazy cool leap into that. And we don't have a meadery, so I'm glad we do here in Orange County now. But, you know. I uh, I had an opportunity that you know, kind of arose where um, you know, our family could invest in something. Uh, we okay. could invest in you know, stock or 
um, you know, property or whatever. Uh, and we kind of decided that the path that this was going where, um, I'm sure a lot of homebrewers will, will understand where you go from working in your kitchen to then you have a closet with uh, carboys in it, and then you have a bathroom mm-hmm. or a secondary room. And if you get a g- garage, then you go there. Or, yeah. Uh, and eventually something has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had submitted different meads to different competitions, uh, started winning some awards. Uh, the next step for me was really, because there wasn't a meadery in Orange County, was to do market validation. So I leased space uh, and tank time from Golden Coast down in Oceanside. We went down there in 2016. We made uh, 10 barrels of orange blossom mead. That eventually turned into uh, 1,000 bottles of our prelude, which is our traditional. And we filled two spirit barrels, a bourbon barrel and a rye barrel. Uh, I didn't know this part. That's really cool information. Yeah, so I... uh, Growing up in the Orange County beer scene, you usually put something in a barrel eventually. Yeah. And I figured if we had 10, uh, 10 beer barrels worth of, of mead, I could split that and do you know, a couple different things with it. Because uh, that is a relatively large batch to try to um, push out. You need some type of variety. Uh, so we did two barrel-aged versions. Both of them aged for six months. Uh, and the... The next step was once they were all done and ready, I wanted to push them out and sell them at the same time. I didn't want to start a company and just sell one thing. Uh, So the orange blossom sat in in bottles for six months. Uh, Once we bottled the barrel-aged ones, I had a collection of three, and we functioned as our own distributor and came up to Orange County and started selling those bottles all around Orange County to different either bottle shops um, or different, different stores. Were you selling, I mean, when you sellered it, were, you know, you're storing, hmm. uh, was that done at the place that it was fermented at? For uh, the time between when we uh, bottled the original batch and the barrel aged, yeah, it was stored in, in Oceanside. So essentially you contract fermented instead of contract brewed, right? Yeah, so in, in the wine world, it'd be called a custom crush. Okay. Um, and custom once, crush, what yeah. a, I mean, what a... I mean, I have to say it's kind of a cute word there. A custom crush. I mean, so you're because wine they crush the grapes, right? But but we're it's honey meat wine. So, uh, but it's a custom crush. That's an interesting term, and, and I'm not usually taken off guard by things, but I didn't know that. So uh, once the everything was bottled and ready to go, uh, we had our own cold storage facility in Irvine, okay. actually just down the street by the airport. And we had everything stored there. That way it was easy to get out and to distribute. Sure. Uh, so when we first released, we started at O'Shea's uh, in Laguna Niguel. That's where I started homebrewing. That's where, you know, really Lucas showed me what Jeff, I needed Jeff to get Jeff and Lucas started. are great people. Yeah. I haven't seen Jeff in years, but I still see Lucas. And he's a great guy. He so is. They, and they have a really good selection of stuff down there. That and uh, they have a really good selection of, of bottles, both beer and cider. Yeah. Uh, they get some decent mead. Um the meat distribution in Southern California isn't, you can't get everything yeah. uh, across the gamut, right? You get yeah. what's what's distributed and that's it. Um, so we started down at O'Shea's, uh, moved up. We had some of our stuff at uh, High Times in, in Newport. Sure. Um, we had it at uh, Haven Provisions. Uh, and altogether it ended up being, being about 30 stores throughout Orange County that carried our, our meat. Nice. Um, after, I want to say it was about four months, we sold out of, almost all of our barrel-aged bottles. Uh, we only had 200 of each. Uh, we had bottles of our orange blossom up until 
excuse me, up until we opened, uh, we saved about six cases for when we did our soft opening. I was going to ask you if there was anything left. Yeah, we, we had we had some, but they're all uh, <laughs> they're all they're all gone. Up. I've I've heard there's some out in the wild, in the wild, um, but right. I'm not sure uh, yeah. where. I haven't hit all the spots they used to carry us. So. Gotcha. Oh, so you're saying that the, the there are some what people call shelf turds. I, I don't I hate to I hate that term, but it's basically they've gotten forgotten in the back. And uh, but that that can be a, a nice rare find. It's uh, it's aged rather nicely. We uh, mm-hmm. we had somebody bring one in a couple weeks ago, uh, and we opened it. And uh, that's got to say, for two and a half years old, it's uh, it's drinking pretty good. I mean, meads just get better with age. They do. They I do. Mean, if people, if you don't know that out there, meads get better with age. So, um, all right. So, so we're gonna jumping forward. So, you did this proof of concept in 2016, and so you decided that year, the next year, to be able to just look, okay, let's go in the foray and and make this happen. It came down to uh, the reception that we had once we did our release party. So we made the batch in 16, uh, the summer of 16. I believe we started in August. Uh, we waited the six months for the barrels to be ready. So it was 2017 by the time you did that. It was uh, March, and our release party we did at Great Society in Long Beach. Okay. Uh, you know, it was a, the only beer and cider bar that we had at the time. And now we do have Tree Branch in, uh, in Huntington also. Sure. Uh, so we did a release there. We had both barrel aged on tap. We had uh, our orange blossom prelude on tap, and we had a really good turnout. I want to say we sold something like um, four or five cases of the prelude and all the barrel aged that we had. So all the bottles were gone. Uh, I kind of looked at my wife, and she looked at me. She's like, "Okay, well, it looks like um, the the market test is going to be." Like, we don't really have to do anything else. We, we yeah, just yeah. saw what happened. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just friends and family that were there. It was people that were fans of Mead that, you know, they um, they heard that there was a new meadery opening and they wanted to come check it out and see how it was. Sure. So. All right. So then you jump forward from March of last year to mm-hmm. this year. So did, did it take you the better part of a year or more to, to, to find a place and, and get open? And, yeah. you just, and you've been open now, was it two months, three months? Uh, just under two months. Yeah. Uh, finding a location was a lot harder than I was expecting. Okay. Uh, we went through either three or four different potential locations that uh, kind of fell through for one reason or another. Sure. Uh, being part of the Orange County Brewers Guild, uh, you know, I made friends with a lot of the brewers uh, and talking to um, Jeff and Ryan at All American Ale Works, they let me know that they had a neighbor that was potentially moving out. Um, obviously, if they were in a spot, it wasn't an issue with zoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the property management didn't have a problem because there was already a manufacturer there. Uh, and it was on the beer trail, which is what I wanted to do. Um, I like the area. Um, all the brewers around us are awesome and very you know, helpful for me. Uh, I like being around my peers. And after we all do, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it makes it it makes it easier. Uh, we sure. all learn from each other. It's a great community. Uh, so we eventually got our lease. Uh, we signed our lease last November, and uh, no, sorry, not last November, uh, November seventeen. And it took about six months of construction until we were to the point where we could start brewing on site. And after that, we. Uh, I want to say it was the second week of October or something like that was when we yeah. started letting people in. I, I mean, it's awesome. I, and I, I know that you guys um, have small batch meads mm. and, and you do specialty. So let's talk about some of those because we only have a little over 10 minutes left. But um, but I, I had the one that you call the IHOP, 
um, and and uh, you, I'll let you tell people about the names and stuff. But man, that 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 mead was just like blueberries, and and I and I will relate it to the blueberry syrup at IHOP, but better, way better. Because I mean, to me, when I was a kid, that was good. But now I'm like, that's that's too sweet. But it, it's just this perfect balance where you get the uh, the orange blossom and the and and like vanilla notes as well as the blueberry notes in that uh, mead, and it's 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 really complex, but um, but and refined at the same time. It's like uh, it, it's just it's really good. I mean, I couldn't get enough. And then and then you gave me the little thing with the kumquat in it. I was like, what? But but so tell us a little bit about what you got going on there, so people know. We uh, we do uh, a lot of small batches right now. Uh, we do have a larger setup that we're working through some issues with our glycol system. But uh, for now, we're doing about one barrel at a time uh, per batch. So we have four of those tanks. Um, currently, we have a strawberry and kiwi in tanks. That's a golden kiwi, so it's very tropical. Uh, yeah, we I, have, I saw that. I can't wait to taste that. That sounds really good. Yeah, we actually we had so many kiwis that they wouldn't fit in the tank. Um, mm. We had to, we had to give some away to uh, kids that were at the brewery next door. Nice. Uh, we have uh, another batch of our rated PG, which is a pineapple cider with guava added to it. Uh, we have a let's see. A I haven't bouche. had that one, so it sounds good. Yeah, that one we actually uh, used to make our mock sangria, which is our blueberry mead. <laughs> With the uh, pineapple, uh, with citrus and, li- and lime, or uh, sorry, lemons and limes, yeah. and it tastes more like a sangria. Ends up around eight percent, eight point two percent, something like that. Okay. Uh, we have the uh, a boche. So a boche is a mead that's made with caramelized honey, and this is the one that I ha- we have in the tanks that I'm really most excited about right now. And the reason I say that is the honey itself took three years to collect. I was gonna say because caramelized or caramelized, however you wanna say that, uh, honey is not an easy i mean it has to dry right well you have to sit there and boil it and um you know a lot of the times when you you're boiling honey outside over a burner in like a 15 gallon kettle like old homebrew set um you'll get swarmed which isn't very fun oh fun um gotta have a beekeeper suit on you really do it's it (laughs) well and the worst is if they actually go into the pot oh yeah it's, it's it's just it's no fun for anybody and we get a little um, extra protein and stuff, but uh, you can't technically <laughs> sell it, right? So it'll get you know fermented out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the honey itself we got from a, a group called Backyard Bees. They do very small beekeeping. Um, they have about a hundred houses throughout Orange County wow. that um, they have boxes in their backyards. So their main focus is they do rescue and relocation. So if somebody finds a swarm or you know a hive in their backyard. They'll go remove that from their backyard and find somebody that wants to, you know, have a... I wish I'd known about that three years ago. I called my landlord, and I had to swarm of bees. I mean, really, like, swarming on yeah. my patio. And I'm like, they're okay, we'll take care of it. And next thing I know, the guys are at my door, and before I could say anything, they they killed the whole hive. I'm like, I don't want you to kill the hive. I just yeah. want to be able to my door. <laughs> so um, so long story short... But I love that they do that. So they're sustaining, sustainable and, they, and, and taking care of the bees here and the honey. Exactly. And, and they... They service the hives themselves. They, you know, they sell the harm, uh, honey at farmers markets. Uh, I believe they actually go to the one right here at UCI across the street, or it used to be across the street. Okay. Um, but they, uh, they have these solar heating panels that they use to render the wax. They separate the wax and the honey. Okay. And those panels get hot enough to where if some of the honey hits it, it, uh, it burns. It slightly, slightly scorches it, wow. which is a different flavor than the rest of the honey. So they have to sell it separately, and they didn't really know um, what the market was for that, and they just kept it 
to the side. So over three years time, I got a little over 60 pounds of that honey. Wow. And it's very rich. It's you got, it tastes like caramel and you know, brown sugar, uh, in the tank right now, it's changing every day. It tastes like, uh, yesterday it smelled like um, dark plums and cinnamon, and all it was was the honey and the yeast that we're using. Wow. Uh, so that one is gonna be a Polish, which is one-to-one -one water to honey. Um, initially, it started at 51 bricks, which was really aggressive. Um, it's over 225 points fermentation. I had to bring it down, the yeast didn't like that, to 39 bricks, so it's about 176 points. Uh, so it started at 1176. Uh, For all the people out there don't understand what this means. There's going to be a lot of alcohol. There's going to be high alcohol, <laughs> high ABV. Um, the yeast I used, uh, Uafirm 43, has a potential for between 18 and 20% alcohol. Wow. So it's going to be up there, and it's still going to have residual sugar, and it's going to have the unfermentable sugar from the caramelization. So this is going to be, are you in a barrel while you did too? So the that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, so the idea is... I mean, I think you need a whiskey barrel we're gonna or yield a bourbon about, barrel. Um, we're going to yield about... 14 gallons just because we had so little honey and we added very little water. Okay. Uh, I will probably... Oh, you're doing the one-to-one. -one. Correct. Well, how come, so, so tell me the difference. Okay, I want to get back to this, but uh, let's, let's start on this. But after that, can in the short amount of time we have, can tell me the difference between, like when I do, it's three-to-one. Hmm. And you do one-to-one. -one. Is there one-to-one, two-to-one, three-to-one? And those are the standards or what? There's no real standard. Um, with the exception of what you consider to be a Polish meat in that case, the, the tradition is it's one-to-one -one water to honey. It's just, they like them stronger. Stronger so and just sweeter. just to be able to have a, a, a strong, sweet ABV, or a strong ABV, a sweet, sweet meat. Yeah, definitely something to get you through those cold nights. So. Okay, that makes sense. So that's when you get the ones that are a little more cloying, kind of more about honey. And Okay, so back to this one because it sounds fascinating. I mean, this one sounds like it's going to be sold out before <laughs> you can even get it out already. So only yielding 14 gallons, uh, the idea is we're going to get a 8-gallon bourbon barrel, a little small one. We'll fill that, and then we should have about enough to fill uh, one sixtal. Gotcha. Uh, and then that sixtal will go on more than likely for our, um, our grand opening which we have scheduled right now for January uh, January 5th for Saturday of the new year. Okay. Uh, and well, that's then That's good. I didn't know that. So yeah. now we're making the announcement here. So is that are you hopefully in the staying on that date? Yeah, I'm I'm self-imposing that on okay. us. We needed So January needed 5th, you guys heard it for your here first. It's the grand opening for Honeypot. Okay. And then we'll have the the bourbon barrel version which will age somewhere between 3 and 4 months. You know, those small barrels, more contact and, and service area, they age between 3 and 4 times as fast as a large barrel. Uh, so I want it to be equivalent to about a year in a large barrel, which would put us somewhere around April or May for a barrel age version. Mm, that so. sounds fantastic. All right, so you also have one with mango, peach and mango, I think it is, if I remember correctly. We have correctly. one with peaches and mangoes that we dry hop with citra and mosaic. That's, that's really good. Um, those ones start off, those are all what's considered short meads. Yeah. Uh, so they're lower in alcohol, usually between 7 and 8%. Um, we have done ones that are lower. Uh, but we stick with a lot of tropical flavors, and we try to use as many seasonal um, fruit as we can that we can get fresh from either the local growers in Southern California or in the Central Valley. Yeah. And uh, um, tell me the, the IHOP, it means what again? It's in honor of pancakes. In honor of pancakes, that's right. Um, and then I, uh, I was there fortunate enough to banter with some friends, and we have to come up with a name for, for one of your meats. Do, <laughs> do you still have that on, or, or is that gone? <laughs> No, unfortunately, the peach mango that was okay. dubbed uh, Mongo's Fuzzy Navel is has been yeah. tapped out for Mongo's, about two weeks. So are you going to bring that back? Yes. Okay, definitely. cool. Mongo's Fuzzy Navel, that's that's a great one. Um, and what else do you have on right now? I mean, uh, what are, are you playing with? And I mean, if people are going to be able to come down and check you out, what what's going to be on? 
we're you're only open on the weekends right currently we're only open friday saturday and sunday uh once we get through our grand opening we're going to expand the hours out a little bit Mm -hmm. but uh yeah in the tanks we have uh, our strawberry kiwi we have the boucher uh there's the pineapple guava Uh, we just crushed a um, apple cider where Mm -hmm. we actually juice the apples on site um, using all heirlooms from two different sources from some from um oakland and some from uh, one of our friends farms a little north of la cool so they're all you know very tiny very sweet um we actually the juice ended up somewhere around 1078 which is really high for for raw fruit juice usually uh, fruit juice is somewhere in the 1050s 1055s you're talking about like six percent uh, and this one's closer to you know eight eight and a half sure um so we have our first cider that's pressed and made in uh Anaheim. in our facility in anaheim yeah and after that, we're going to do a big batch of uh, both spiced meads and spiced ciders because we've been doing a lot of fruit lately. Yep. I think it's time for us to start showing our uh, our spicy side. Yeah, and it's winter. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, we got to we got to do some of the, the the mulling spices. Is what I'm saying. We do, and it, as, it, as mead makers, one of the things we're able to do is uh, we can do a lot of blending. And having all those spiced meads available to, yeah. to blend helps us down the road. Yeah, I love it. So have a little, like, uh, we can bring over that brew-ho-ho cup, and I can use it with a hot <laughs> spiced mead, maybe. Um, although I, I know that might be a little weird for some of you guys, but I'm telling you, a hot mead, it's like it's like a it's like a hot buttered rum or a hot toddy or something like that in the winter. It can be pretty nice. So we only have, like, about a minute left. Um, do you want to give out, like, your address and, and your social media? Sure. If you guys want to check us out, we're on the La Palma Beer Trail. Our address is 5120 East La Palma number 104 we're right next to all american ale works uh, if you know the area we're between imperial and lakeview we're down the street from stereo and our social media for all of our accounts is at honeypot meadery well that's good everything's hot honeypot meadery well i i guys i'm telling you if you, if you like meat or you haven't tried me you're not sure what meat is it's a honey wine it's really good i've been a long time fan um, I'm really excited what you're doing there with meads and the short meads too, that you have stuff that comes out and turns out within about two weeks or so, two, three weeks. Um, but the flavor profiles you're bringing out there are fantastic. And I wish you guys a lot of success and, and I hope it's a, a you know, a, a long history of mead making. Maybe we'll have some other people join you here in Orange County. I'm not sure, but, um, I really w- I want to ask you more questions, but I know we're about out of time. What in the last like 20, 30 seconds that we have, is there anything you want to say tantalize anyone besides the uh the fifth of january oh if anybody uh, has never had me and you're, you're curious come down uh we'll be happy to sit there explain everything to you walk you through the process and hopefully you uh you find something you like yeah and it's a good t- good thing to come down for the holidays on the weekends you can come over and check them out here definitely and uh maybe take a bottle with you right if you guys have that available i'm not sure working on it all right my friends uh you're listening to kuci 88.9 fm uh until next week drink good beer eat good food hang out with good people and drink more good beer cheers